They're talking about Marc-Andre Fleury. Stuck at 520 wins. Here we go. The points on the cross. Panarin. Good pass. It's stuffed in by Cryan. You're going to hear this seven times right now. That was just And that's the great Sam Rosen. MSG Network with Joe Micheletti. You got all the goal calls? Back is, I mean, I mean listen to this. They score! <laughs> That was like a Pokemon Go crowd, like right there in the crease. I mean, ridiculous. Panarin, Brad scores. Okay, and then the wild pushback. Krill Kaprizov is a minus four. Hartman's a minus four with maybe two goals scored on stupid penalties. So he's, you know, absolutely useless in the D zone. Oh, there they go. That was a nice goal. And that there's more. Missed the puck, played by Barkley Goodrow. Out to Adam Fox for the shot, saved by Flurry. Rebound, score! <laughs> Filipino! Why does that just never get old hearing him say that? Yeah, he's good. Comes again. And he's been good. That's how happy he is. Take back in the shot, score! <laughs> Vincent Trocek with his first, first goal as a Ranger. There's a chance for Sam Steele. Oh, the no, this is Baldy. Good play by Lindman, an open net, and it's put in by Baldy. So, oh, Flurry got pulled oh. over, and driving to the net is Kako, who scores! What a move, what a play! There's one more. Listen to this one. Just capping it off in the hometown family. Side score! That's right. Our guy Keanu. There you go. Oh, the family's that was atrocious. Net. That was abominable. Horrific. And Cryer going to the net. Look at this again. Fake. The beauty league star Keanu. <laughs> yes. And then Cryer on the other I mean, side. Just so, I mean, you couldn't probably get a worse way to start an NHL season for Minnesota Wild and Minnesota Wild fans. And uh, we're going to hear from Dean Everson a little bit later on the show. We're going to talk a little Viking football. KOC will pay a visit with a couple of comments. Equally, uh, we're going to talk about the Gophers, P.J. Fleck, and what I feel is a tough game in Champaign. So we'll go from there and uh, basically break down that wild game. I had to start because that was the hot news of the day. I was angry. I, I served up yes. what, about a dozen texts, just boom, boom, boom to you. Rapid fire. I yep. couldn't get to bed. I was so mad. <laughs> Very angry. <laughs> well, if it's an effort thing, I'm mad. I mean, if they're just better, I get it. Yeah. Or maybe it's both. Well, they might be better. They're good. I mean, they were—they were—they're this close to the cup this year. Yeah, they are definitely. They being the Rangers, but we'd like to think the Wild are too. And boy, they kicked the shit out of the Chicago Blackhawks, didn't they? Oh, but they're bad. And it was preseason, so they get to get back on the horse again tomorrow and then Monday. So let's get to that later. We've got a special guest in studio, one of my favorites, if not well, my favorite always, Ken Pauly. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Wags. Appreciate it. Good Benel to see Margaret's. Thanks for humoring us and, and letting us go through that <laughs> that litany of goals uh, called by uh, Sam Rosen. It's entertaining to watch you melt down. Oh, <laughs> I was mad. Yes, like, I, I, could, I, I laid there and stewed. <laughs> 
because because then I wanted to know, well, what's Russo going to write? What spin is he going to put on this thing? And to his credit, he went after it. I appreciated that. TV he always did it, though. He always does. Who didn't? Ryan Carter was. Ooh, he's a tough listen. No, he was painting a. a he, yes, I won't listen to it. I, well, you know, no, you know how it is. Sportspass.io. No, I'm you just know, saying go there. You, you don't know have, how you don't it have is. to put yourself through. Even it. if a Minnesota team is down three goals, God. it's always good. Well, just gotta get. Oh, the, no, they're no, just no. about there. The Ooh, game, the game was over. Oh, the but they had the puck the whole time, but they turned it over. Oh, and they didn't cover anybody anywhere. Oh my God, they think we're stupid. They think we as fans are dumb. That's what I think. So anyway, let's talk high school hockey. (laughs) (laughs) Good segue. Uh, So, I mean, it's here. When you think about it, you have your summer hockey. It always feels like there's a little bit of void, Ken. You know, you have that good time with your players for a month and a half or a little longer, and then you just it just stops. You're fortunate because you teach, so you can see these guys in the in the hallways and whatnot. But you can't really do anything with them between then and next month. How does that go from you from a preparation perspective? Do you want to just are you chomping bare, uh, at the bit, getting rare to go, or where are you at with that? I'm very comfortable not coaching right now, but I tell you, really. Actually, um, I'll, I'll be ready, but that's one of the things I love about uh, high school hockey is I think there's a rhythm to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it comes around in November, we're all fired up, and we can talk all we want. There's no question that hockey's going on right now, and high school is like the last thing to get going. But I also think that's what kind of makes it special, where like we're just kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. Kids are kind of doing their thing. And um, you know, these, let's face it, it's year-round stuff. And so having a couple months where they don't see us, we don't see them, we can't, don't have much to do with each other, I think, that's, I think that keeps it fresh. You know what's interesting with the college hockey game? It almost starts side-by-side side with football. Yeah. Yeah. Football ends, and it is still going all the way into April. And I think that has got to be painful as a player. If someone has, has to explain the college hockey thing to me still, because I just don't understand how you can have a six-month season. <laughs> You know, in college and, hockey. And play 30 yeah, games. Yeah, I just don't get it. And all that, all that time off, I think it's really difficult for fans. And, and maybe even the player, too. No doubt. I mean, do college players really need to be playing in World Juniors? Don't know. Um, maybe, but maybe that's the reason it takes the time off. I don't know. But, you know, two ways. To kind of more fully answer your question of the two months off, it's never – you're always doing behind-the-scenes stuff. And so even though you're not at practice, you're not doing hockey stuff, you're meeting with captains, you're talking to these guys in informal you know, in, informal ways. And uh, and that is – and, again, you know, I'm still uh, – I see the kids in school, as you, as you said, and that's – I'm a bit of a dinosaur, I suppose, because you have the, the teacher-coach model is something that's – you know, going the way. Kind of sad. We, yeah. we were talking about that at the coaches' meeting. Yeah, and it is. Uh, it, it's and so it's a way of kind of building those relationships and making sure they get um, they get off to a good start in school. And they're not uh, acting like a bunch of dipsticks, which is always uh, we'll you're dealing with adolescent males, and that just goes with the territory. So when you have a team, each team tends to have its own personality makeup. No two teams are the same, obviously, every year. And obviously, a, a lot of seniors graduated last year. You bring in a crew. I, I think you had the best sophomore class of any team that I had seen. Uh, what a group of talent that is. Now they're juniors, you know, inching their way toward that senior level that you want. And then you have some really great incoming players too and some JV players that are going to help. From what you know of this group and from what you've discussed and having watched them evolve and develop, 
where are they at from, because they're going to be a little bit younger, I would assume, where are they at from a maturity perspective? Yeah, it's, uh, that's another fun part is you do watch kids mature from ninth grade through senior year, and mm-hmm. that junior year is a huge year. And, uh, and you mentioned that class of the kids that we have in there with Stewie and, you know, Aristo and, and kids like that. Uh, they are, as juniors, they're going to come into their own because you've been you've been calling this stuff for a long time, Wags, and watching it. You know that, that junior is where a kid just comes out of nowhere all, all of a sudden. Like even Grant Bessie as a sophomore. I mean, trust me, Bess was good plenty player. good, yeah. but he exploded in his junior mm-hmm. year. And um, and I really would expect that from those kids and. And listen, we've uh, we've had our we've had our share of disappointments. They've had their disappointments. Uh, I don't think you know, again we didn't end the way we wanted last year. It was it was incredibly disappointing to keep using that word. Um, and those sophomores that you just mentioned were the ones who took it hardest. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's good. And, and again, you've mentioned it here before. Um, you, 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 before you can win, you got to suffer a little bit. And by God, I've got no suffering. <laughs> <laughs> how long, oh Lord, oh, how long? <laughs> well, maybe it's time. But, I, I, you know, the, the thing that's compelling, though, is that you say it's those young kids that took it the hardest. Mm-hmm. Uh, losing, obviously, we're referring to the Edina section final game. And, boy, your team was playing really good down the run. Uh, you don't – your schedule was good. And maybe one of the things you felt was maybe January after you get into the – you know, out of the non-conference, it gets a little bit mm. – um, and if you can kind of go into that perspective, you know it's there. And maybe the games aren't as strong as you want them to be. How much does that Im- impact when it gets real again? I, I think it gets overrated, to be honest with you, because the best, you know, our 2012 state championship team and the best teams I've had, you know, even in 08 yeah. when we went, we were in the North Suburban Conference. And the North Suburban, you know, you know, God bless everyone, but it wasn't exactly the best you were pounding teams. We were yeah. beating teams, you know, 17, 16, nothing. Of course, I was getting all the, you know, the emails from always courageous anonymous saying I was running things up and <clears throat> that sort of thing. But when you're that good, if you look at uh, Centennial's last state championship, they were a North Suburban team and they were just killing everybody. And and so, no, it's 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 not great for anyone. No one likes that. Which right. is again, not going to go down that road. But I, I also think you can look at that schedule and you can use it as an excuse. And uh, but you do get away with things, and you have. And, and I don't think we had um, either the focus or the maturity or whatever it was to deal with. We were getting away with a lot of things. I actually think we our high watermark in the season was against Matamidi. And uh, oh, great game. we were just terrific that game. And but we were never, we never ca- recaptured that. We peaked um, too soon, yeah. and uh, we were just we were winning, but we were getting away with a lot. And you can keep telling them, you can't chase outside the dot, you can't do this, you can't do that. But again, they're not they're not paying the price for it. And actually, going into that section final game last year, I. I'd, uh, it's not like it was given up, not even close, but I didn't feel good about it because I knew we weren't playing well. Uh, we beat Blake in the semifinal, and we were horrible. We just were not very good. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you're not going to win Section 6 AA playing that sort of hockey. And you get into teams, you know, like Wyzetti, Dinah, who basically know what you know, Section Playoff game is about. We do, too. 
but they're sure. hard to play against, and you better be able to play well. And we were just okay, and just okay doesn't get it done. Well, I always equate this as a very interesting thing I heard from a scout. Lee Smith had a guy looking at Nick Letty, mm-hmm. and he shows up to their game at the Bloomington Ice Garden when they're squaring up against Kennedy. At that time, Kennedy wasn't very good, and uh, or not a tough opponent, I should say. And um, Lee said, what are you doing here? And he said, I want to see what he does against all types of teams. I don't want to see a drop-off. I don't want to see habits. I don't want to see any of that. And I thought that was compelling enough to say, if that's being looked at at the individual level from the next level stuff, that has to be true on the team game side of things. Now, with that said, the Metro West Conference, you've got Chan, really good. Yep. You've got yourselves. You've got uh, Jefferson, who's always tricky. Chaska. Uh, Chaska's very good. I think your conference is one, one of the... The better ones around. Well, it's it it's 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 sleepy good in right. some respects. It's yeah, no, it's not. You know, again, there's not a whole lot of power conferences out there anymore. Let's face no. it. You know how I mean? Let's start you know clipping them off, and you go, okay, this goes one or two deep, and then it drops off. Well, maybe there's one or two conferences, but after that, we're okay. So I, again, you look at it, like last year, we're sitting in the section final. Chaska's sitting in the section final. I know. You know. But, so, and then on the Metro East, you had Hill Murray winning it like the year before, whatever it was, or a couple of years ago. Yeah. They were, and you look at those, you say these are kind of newer you know, freshly evolved conferences. And the world knows that I have this, like, or have, whatever, this love affair with the late conference, right? <laughs> I mean, all you know what I say about yeah. that conference right now? It's a very consistent conference. I wouldn't say it's above all. And, uh, you know, I would say suburban east or northwest suburban. I would say all the conferences have kind of leveled up mm-hmm. into consistency across the board is what I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, it's, it, and there's no doubt when you have, when you have a conference you know, that has, you know, Edina and Oisetta, you know, and, and Tonka, you know, those guys may, they may lose a few kids here and there, uh, but, you know, from private schools or whatever it is, but they never bleed bodies. They never bleed bodies. And I, I coached them in Tonka for three years. All right. So I know. I love that. You know. That was a blast. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it was fun. And basically there's, there's a lot of depth there. And so you're, even though they may have years where they're not scary good, they're always good and they can always be, and, and listen, they get, and it is an advantage, I believe that down the, the stretch, they're playing each other the last two or three weeks. You know, it, that, it doesn't that, hurt. It, 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 does, it does not hurt them. But with all, that, with all that said, that has not hurt us in the past. So to start whining about that now, Fair. to start whining about that now is ridiculous. It's like, you know, what just, just but, but I will tell you this, we have addressed it because a little bit of a glitch in the schedule. So we will, uh, let's just put this, the week before section playoffs, we go up to Hermantown and we play rapid. So, uh, we will eliminate and that you'll excuse. see that right here on the MNHockey.tv. Yes. Oh, excited for those. <laughs> so good. Guys, you're going to make a weekend out of that, Pete. I, I, I have a lot of best, Northern uh, Run Best weekends. arena in high school hockey, Grand Rapids. Oh, it's so... Right. Yep. By the way, visiting bench, no glass. It's like the Forum in Montreal or Maple Leaf Garden. They're right there chirping you. They like to talk, baby. Isn't that great, <laughs> though? The kids love it, though, don't they? Oh, yeah. Well, to, to a degree. I think it's they focused. Well, it's fine. Yes, it, it, it gets it gets personal, but what the heck? All but right. if you want to know what it felt like <laughs> in 1968, that's what it felt like. Yeah, I mean that's how it was. And so there's very few places you can say that, but that place is absolutely special. Uh, guys, questions? I've turned this into a one-way. Uh, oh, you're all good, uh, Ken. I was just gonna talk a little bit about your schedule this year. You know, every year you seem to put together uh, a pretty solid. 
uh, schedule, non-conference-wise. Who stands out to you this year? Because, I mean, there's a lot of good teams. I know on on your website here it says you got 11 of the 20 top teams in the state. I mean, you got Andover a couple times who stands mm-hmm. out to you other than maybe Andover. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly whenever you – right away we go to section section rivals like Edina and Wyzetta. You know, you're on there. That's always uh, – that's, that's, al- that's always big for us. Um, you know, clearly – um, we're excited to go up to Moorhead, you know, as as well. Again, we, we always play Moorhead every year, but when we get a chance to go up there, we we like playing in that uh, in that building as well. And I think they're going to be a very good, very good team, you know. So and and as we just uh, alluded to a minute ago, just that that little swing we have doing, the, you know, the Hermantown Hawks and you know Hollywood Pat Andrews, and uh, <laughs> oh. you know, oh, I love Patrick; he's a good guy. Um, but then in Rapids, that that swing. But but early on, you mentioned like we get tested, you know, right out of the right right. right Basically, right away, which is great. That's that's really what you want. You want to find out what you have. You know, begin at the beginning of the year. You know, an awful lot of coaches think, "Oh, we have so much depth. And I don't know where we're going to put it, and, and we just have too many guys." And then all of a sudden, they start playing. We don't have enough guys. You know, yeah, so, yeah. Or guys get hurt. <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh boy. So, but I, I, I'm, ex, I'm, ex, I'm really excited for the holiday term to have Andover again, um, and uh, and having Lakeville South, who's really, uh, really going to be a terrific team too. So. Um, but it, it, yeah, those 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 are the teams. That, yeah, we got a good uh, good one coming out of the, coming out of the barrel. So when you do that tra- tradition, and it's not that anymore. Sorry, when you do the John Barger Holiday Classic, is that what it's called? John that's what, that's what I'm he named it after himself. No, I'm calling it. I'm calling it. We'll call it the St. Louis Park Holiday Classic until we get it sponsored. See, I got an eagle. Uh, I love it. Uh, no, it's a St. Louis Park Holiday Classic for now. Uh, he, he nearly spit out his diet coke. We almost had a spit that take on we, 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 we nearly. <laughs> Soiled the cameras. I'm in not going to have the techies. But, uh, my ass. Do, you, do you get to say, hey, <laughs> John, John is the organizer. I want South Andover and blank. Do you kind of tell them what matchups you want? Yeah, we we basically do have discussions about that because you don't you don't want to be playing. Now, Mark Manny and I are pretty tight. And we basically like the idea of playing twice, having yeah. a little home and away action, and, and uh, we'll be on the call in Andover. Yeah, and Lee <laughs> and Lee and I did that for a few years, so he basically just tries to get the best he can because he can't please everyone. But uh, you don't want to see some like we have St. Louis Park, and that counts as a conference game. Mm. That's what and, I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, you know, again, and Park's always just dangerously because they hate us. I know. <laughs> well, they're 10 times better than they are when they play They're always going to push hard okay, against let me us. Ask you a bowl, how many Park guys are on your roster right now? This oh, that we have none. Okay, so we, we, what's we, the well, anger? Yeah, it's like, it, look, what is the anger? Well, what's there not to hate is private It's Catholic the private school, school down the road. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah. it doesn't have anything to do with what's it. Not, I don't what's know. What's there not to hate? Listen, if I... I mean, it, I went to OLG, so, I mean, I don't... I guess I kind of well, get that, but... Well, well I, we... I experienced that at Holy Angels with Richfield, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's not like you're poaching park kids. Well, we're, we're not... And, and again, there was a lot of St. Louis Park Bantam AA kids, but they're Benilde kids because already they're they already at BSM, so they're not St. Louis Park residents. Sure, but what you're doing is, if you follow the formula, they're filling up a youth program that's allowing players to play at levels where they can be most comfortable to evolve and develop as players. Yeah. So the, really, they should be thanking you. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I'll hold my breath for that one. And I... <laughs> And he's going to turn blue. Listen, every good story needs a villain. All right? And it's you, it's the Hornets. Who else? Who are the villains in high school hockey, in your opinion? 
Well, I mean, we, I mean, we haven't you, won a state town in 10 years. How the nah, hell can we be a villain? A villain. You know, I don't know. Because, because, I think we're the underdog. I'm asking Ken, who do you think the villains in high school hockey are? Oh, Give me a list. Just come on, let's hear it. The villains. Yeah, who are they? So it's you and Edina. Who else? Okay, it's got to be Cretan because funk. Okay. <laughs> well, I hope I'm if hoping you're, he's listening. Let's be honest. If you're on the Woodbury side of the tracks, absolutely. Okay. Well, now, listen, they were poached. Listen, listen, listen. Okay. I'm not going to say it. Look, look, clearly, you know, every you know, Cretan, Hill Murray, right, who basically right. loves those schools other than the people who go to those schools. Yeah. You know, and on wow, our and, and, you know, <laughs> He and, went there, though. I know. You know, St. Thomas Academy, right? You oh, got the, you got the I, boy I, barn over there. Town, right? I heard Matt say Hermantown. That's definitely yeah, a real yeah, one. Yeah, you know, But you know what? So it's, it's like, the private schools and the... So it's just Edina and it's the just private schools. See, see, what you're telling me? See, and I've never... Listen, and I've never had... I mean, I grew up in YZ. I never had this anti-Edina feeling. I just never had it. You know, I just... I just respect people that are good. Mm-hmm. All right? I've always felt like the Wyzetta Edina thing has always been incredibly respectful. I don't know. At, at yeah. the youth to the high school level, it's there's never like well, how this does, weird. I mean, again, how does you know, how does a Wyzetta kid accuse Edina kid of being a cake eater? Well, <laughs> yeah. the, the Tonka guys. When I was in high school, that's all Tonka was doing to us, and we're like going, "Those yeah. boat shoes you're wearing are about ten <laughs> times the price of my yeah. tennis shoes." These are big suburban, well-funded schools that they're again. And but I'll tell you what, um, those those student bodies are are more diverse economically than people think. Uh huh. You know, again, I went to in, in, in Minnetonka the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, and you look at, um, you look at a price. Listen, everyone needs someone to hate for something or to blame I, for something. It's great. You know, I mean, that's just part of it. It's part of the deal. I, what I mean, it's great to be from where we are. When we go do a game and I walk in and I say, okay, who do we have here? Uh, oh, the, the, this group really doesn't like this group. And when you look at it, you say, well, why? And usually it's because of two things. It's because you win and you're perceived to have dough. I mean that's usually what creates the the it's 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 kind of the the have the have not type mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and so everybody likes to root for the underdog and then when the underdog becomes good well what are we going to do we're going to build them up and we're going to say now this sucks having you here we're going to tear you right back down well that's like, gets to Hermantown I would say and and, and there's no, you can kind of go back and forth and, I've, and believe me I've, I like listening to your podcast it's how I get uh, get through more on my my lawn <laughs> <laughs> you know? and and you know and you're talking to uh, you know they they promoting that hockey land movie and you're talking about you know should mm-hmm. Hermantown move up and all that stuff but you know what that, that was that was the same issue with war road too you know when they a first, lot of pressure I mean, when Kerry Eads was there they were getting a lot of but you know in a lot of ways uh, I would say like Kerry Eads and war road in a lot of ways saved class a hockey by staying mm-hmm. there and you had that red ring war road rivalry right away that was unbelievable and so you know again it's like if you're going to have and and i don't want to basically you know hijack this and go down the road you don't want to go but the fact is is like you're still going to if Hermantown's not there it'll become it'll become someone else it'll become east grand forks yeah, it'll be someone um, else. Yeah, or or a private school and that's as, and emerging as long, or whatever. And as long as we're going to have two classes for good, bad, and different, good class that's been with us for like twenty years now, so we can start complaining about it. As long as we have two classes, let's let's turn them into two great classes of hockey. That's what I think everybody wants. And you you, you look at a school like Hermantown, they're not even close in. Uh, as far as uh, enrollment mm-hmm. to a double A school yet, no, you know. No. So I mean, they have every right to be where they are. Is, is, does De La Salle apologize for the like eight thousand state championships they got in basketball? No, 
Do they? No. Well, you know, listen, Why should they? Listen, they're, they're putting their classification. That's, that's where they play. And you know what? That's up to them and their community to decide what is best. And for other people, it's like, you know what? Mm. You get better. You know, and, and believe me, there's some people, no matter what. I mean, you take, you know, some of the programs are beating up on. I understand that. But the truth is, take Hermantown out of there, and, and a lot of those programs still aren't going to go with the state tournament. And I, you know, listen, I can, believe me, I'm not trying to be the reasonable person on the fence because I'm never going to be accused of that. Um, <laughs> But I just think that's up to Hermantown and their community to decide what's best for their program. How about the year Greenway beats Hermantown, goes to the state tournament, are terrific. Hibbing does it, too. You know, those two schools have done it within the past 10 years, let's mm-hmm. say, whatever it was. But that Greenway run when they were there a few years Monticello. back it was, was special. I mean, it was really great. Uh, Matamidi beats a, Herman, uh, a Hermantown team. Hermantown was better than them for the entire game, but Matamidi had the goaltending, and you know what? That's part of the game, too. They win. And so it's it's... It, it adds to the whole thing, but what I do know is, and the one thing that Mike McMillan has always said, and I fully agree with this, is that every game in the regular season should be as important and exciting or you know, perceived that way as a game in March. And I mm-hmm. think the whole purpose of the schedule, the whole purpose of what we do and why we do this stuff is for that very reason. None of us who are on the bench or in the stands or behind microphones or keyboards, whatever we're doing, we're not playing. They are. And this isn't our game. It's their game. Mm -hmm. And I think all of that rhetoric really doesn't matter. And what really matters is who plays who, what time, who won, where do we play next? Yeah, what is too bad is there's no doubt the state tournament is a jewel, and we all love it for the reasons that we could talk about ad nauseum. But we do forget about that. There's three and a half right. months of hockey going on here, and there's just a lot of there's a lot of great moments there. And uh, I think that the emphasis on the state tournament, quite honestly, I think the, the two class when you go to multiple classes, it actually de-emphasizes the regular season. And uh, you know, it, it's too bad that we've devalued you know conference championships and those mm-hmm. regular season games. We were talking you know earlier, kind of you know off the mic here about our game with Maple Grove last year that went down like the last half second and. You know, and one of the most memorable games we ever had. Uh, we've had some battles with Ian Prairie and, and, and my buddy Lee Smith, and we basically, you know, won an overtime six-five, just a back-and-forth game. And last year, Hermantown beat us at the last second, plot that I scored to make it six-six-five. Uh, um, you know, so it's like you get those sorts of games. Like my gosh, it's like can you get you get you get a big house in the, the, the. What's bad about that? That's awesome. Do and we forget th- about it. Do I you think. think it makes sense? To do what football did and do a section group as opposed to a conference where you go section six, you guys play each other twice for 14 games, and then you can add in your other 11 non-conference games. Short answer is yes. I think that's the one thing that has not happened. We've had a number of proposals, and um, you know, quite frankly, I think you're never going to see it if it's just up to the coaches because let's, let's get, get honest. Some coaches like their sweetheart sections where they go mm-hmm. to state tournament every year. And I don't think I don't think that's good for the game. It's not. Listen, it is not a geographic state tournament anymore. And say, okay, oh, you say that? Yeah, you dang Rams. I grew up in Y Z. We we're in Section Six, and it was just stacked. It was stacked, and it and the metro area has always been stacked. And guess what? Years ago, what used to be stacked, the Iron Range North. That's where the power was. So what they do? They created a backdoor section so they could ensure getting a couple um, basically northern schools down there. The great um, Henry Boucher. The people talk about that classic game between Edina and War Road. What people forget. Is Ward was a backdoor section team that year. If they would have had traditional section, they wouldn't have been there. Mm. And so, to We're me, we talking I, '69 boys. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 I, you know, so my thing is like, why are we not thinking more progressively in our game 
um, you know, to allow mm-hmm. you know some of the best teams to get there. You still could do it. Listen, I want to see Northern teams there. You still could restructure in such a way to get that done. To your point, they do set up the sections geographically. Yeah, if, you, yeah. if you're an eighth, though, <laughs> but it, but there's not teams. You know, so if it were football or, or basketball, where every school five hundred of them play, then you can really truly have that. Right. But you have teams from Moorhead all the way down to Buffalo, which is a metro team basically, and so then those metro teams start to outperform the Section Seven. The same thing. That's where that comes into play. Or you take Section One. I, I, There's never a team from Southern Minnesota in there. It's always a metro team well, because at- it's one of those two. They attempt to do the sections geographically the best they can. Okay, and we know, I mean, let's face it, we've, there's, we have and, there's holes for sure. You, mm-hmm. Right, we have Andover and Elk River coming down representing the, the range. Give me a break. That's not geographic. And, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, it's like, oh, and for, who was the genius to decide that Creighton belonged with Edina and Benilde and everyone else? And, and they're on the other side of the river. Right, mm-hmm. and you so, say, "Well, the, the computer." Well, then the computer's wrong. Well, the pen is right next to Holy Angels. I mean, it's close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's just like, but does, doesn't a thinking individual then look at that and say, "They're in St. Paul"? What well, are they doing? What are yeah, they doing well, here? I, I, I do. So I've had this discussion. I think Creighton is in a much better section. I agree. Absolutely. I, I, I've always felt they should be in the three. I get it. Yeah. But I do understand when I talk to the guy that dropped the pins. Okay, I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. leave him. Drop the pins. Uh, You're going to pull the pin. Yeah. I did that in a text I I think that in order to get yourself out of the, well, we're going to balance these because we think this team is going to be good for the next four years, if you just go, okay, in mileage, this is where it is, it might not make sense. But, but well, that's what they did. No, I know. But it's just like, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to try to make this a politics podcast, but it's just like the gerrymandering with the congressional districts. It's always not going to make sense in some way. Yeah. So I I don't disagree. Someone, no, you said it earlier, Ken, you're not going to please everybody. No no matter what. You're not going to. And and believe me, with that system, I, I just, I just feel like you, uh, proposals have been out there, but they never go very far mm-hmm. because they're saying, okay, yeah, that's just the metro schools. Well, at the same time, it's like, well, you, you know, to me, it's like we've, we've done this in the past. And, and Wags, where you started this is, you know, you know, football, football clearly looked at their situation and said, we have to do something. All right. And I know the problem was the big schools had to go out of state to get, you know, you know yeah, games. they're going to Winnipeg yeah. and Chippewa and, Falls. And, 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 and yeah, so that, that was, that was a problem that had to be, yeah. that had to be dealt with. And I just think, you know, I just think that um, you, I think you really could preserve, I know you could preserve the state tournament um, in the format that, that we like and still find a way to get um, some you know, you know, more teams there. So the section teams. schedules and standings are no. What's that? Section schedules and standings are no. Then. I, well, you know what? You started this. I, I think if, if you are going to, short answer, yes, Wiggs. I think you're right. I think if, if you're going to have a sectional tournament, why aren't you playing everyone in your section twice a year? Because conference play, we've decided conference play doesn't mean anything anymore. Agreed. So I, I think we'd, we'd start from there. And it's like, yeah, I just, I really would like to see us, um, I think you could go seven geographic sections and you could do a backdoor section just like they did back in the 1960s. So how do you get into the backdoor section? Yeah, I think what they did then is is essentially they had, and listen, this Nothing's ever, just is nothing's going to be perfect, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you basically take the you know the you know the section final winners, and that becomes their their back door. Now, are the, the losers? So if you yeah, lose the losers, the section excuse final, me, yes, and yes, then you yes, go through yes. one uh, quick tourney, three days, get out. Yeah, yeah. and I and I'd have to go back mm-hmm. and look Love my notes because because honestly, I, I was I had asked the same question. Well, how they determine who 
you know, got, you got yeah. And I think that they determined like well, there was like, you know, three sections that were very st- four sections that were very strong. So okay, whoever the section filed, those guys then went back and like mm-hmm. and like baseball has a double elimination. They absolutely round. does. And I know there's arguments against the people say, listen, the one thing that great you know creates so much excitement in, in sections is that it's you lose, it's it. One That's and done. It. Yeah. One and done. Yep. You know, and so. Um, you know, I, I I understand that, but I I think that, uh, and you know what? Listen, I can talk. They're never going to do that. Someone stop talking about it. I do think that it's just <laughs> stupid. It's just like taking a bear. But I, I know, but, but, it's, but you know, it's, it's worth floating, though. I mean, I, well, I think it's worth. You know, but you say the sections like you should. I mean, you should be playing everyone in your section twice I, a year. I would just rather see section standings. And then, you know what, we don't have to get into this seating. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're buddies with this guy or, you know, this clump of schools work yeah. against this clump of schools. I'm not the saying that happens. But you can at least just say, you finished fourth, you lost a bunch of games, you tied a bunch, and you won a couple. Sorry, buddy, you're fourth. There's nothing. Listen, there's what's no, wrong with that? There's nothing more. There's nothing more political than section seedings, and I think mm-hmm. that would that would eliminate some of that nonsense. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, and, and talk about gerrymandering and lobbying, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, you know all that stuff. Um, and, and and I know there's arguments against like oh the the basically unbalanced scores and stuff like that. Well, you have that in conference play now. A hundred percent. It'd be no different. No. But it's how you finish. And then you know what? Your non-conference stuff doesn't take on any weight because it doesn't have anything to do with your section right. standings. You can play whoever you want. Mm-hmm. And then maybe as a as a coach, this gets a little bit radical, but maybe you could play your fourth and third lines a little bit more in a game that might not matter as much, and you can get them seasoned. And mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody would do that, but I'm just saying it it, it changes things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just think there's some there's there's something wrong in Denmark when all of a sudden too many times in sections. It's it's not just our sections. A few other strong ones out there too. Where um, and ours with. Cretan going out. I mean, again, we've been in a, a few section finals, and we had to beat Cretan, who basically was twenty-five and one. That was a section semifinal game, and yeah. and, and so and, and and we've I've had years when I was at talking at Benil, it's like okay, we have four of the top eight ranked teams in the state in the same section, and that, and you say okay, well, it, that's a, to me that's a bit problematic. That that's difficult for sure. That's and problematic. Then, and then you get into the the first rounds of the tournament where it's uh, ten to one, and we don't do running time because it's the state <laughs> tournament. Oh my God, uh, they changed that though, right? Yeah, the, they yeah, have the running time yeah, now. Yes. I forgot about. Yeah. But, yeah, but I'll tell you when they didn't do runners for that. That was brutal. Brandon, uh, question. We've been we've been just going off. Oh, here, this, so go ahead. oh no, it's good. This is terrific. And Ken, I want to thank for thank you for coming on here. It's it's great to hear your perspective as a coach for so long and just that's seen so many things. True historian of the game, and it's it's great to hear from you. But you know, I've had a chance to check out some of the high school elite league up in sure. New Hope here. Um, this this fall, I've seen some of your players up there. I think Stewie's up there, Drew Stewart, yep. uh, Risto. But one that's really stood out to me um, is, you know, you look to replace some of your blue line. You have Maceo Phillips, who I think uh, is going to be a sophomore this year. I got to see him play JV on one game last year. And, you know, he's you, you like to project when you see a kid like that. I mean, he's huge. He's big, really good skater. Uh, he's getting some some good minutes in a really competitive league. What, what's sort of the projection on him, and what are you looking to see from him? Yeah, that's not a stretch to see him as a varsity kid. I mean, he dressed a few times for us last year, and the only thing that kept him, you know, uh, you know basically out of our lap is we had 
Uh, we, we had a lot of seniors. Mm-hmm. You know, we had three senior blue liners in Yaki and Yakish and Sarsland and Ben Thompson, Bjorn Lurvik. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's four seniors. And so there's just sometimes... A, Sometimes there's no room at the end, which is no, a little no. reference for you. There's a little biblical reference there for you. Wait. In proportion. But, in proportion. But, uh, and, and so, so, and but we have the same thing, you know. So projection with him is like, listen, he's got, he has all, he has all the tools. Mm-hmm. Like, but um, he's a sophomore. Those kids are never a finished product, you know. Basically, and and Maceo knows that, and he's he's willing to work on his game. And, and there's always maturity issues that you, you need to work on. But again, the kids, the leg action, he skates like a pro. Mm-hmm. Um, he hits like a pro. He, he hits like a guy basically. Western Junior League, yeah, know, so big heavy shot. Yeah, he's got mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, but he's going to have to. He's going to have to. You know, and we, we're going to need him to come along pretty quickly because mm-hmm. that's the biggest question mark for us. We have our goaltending back. We'll be better up front. We had good for it, but again, our, our forwards are a year older. We'll be terrific up front, but that's the question mark. Is you still need someone to break you out, and mm-hmm. uh, and so Absolutely. the thing about Sarsland and Yak is they were they were an instant breakout, and so now we're looking for a kid like Gavin Reed was already also in the elite league, um, sure. you know, and Mason Stanger. Mason Stanger, yes. to your point on Maceo, uh, Mason played the role that Maceo did last year. Yes. He, he, it, uh, when he was a freshman, uh, Mason played some JV, dressed a little varsity. And uh, and then he stepped in as a sophomore, so and did an, and did a nice job. But yeah, we're gonna need him to come along very very fast because I think that's the only big question mark on our team is what's the blue line gonna look like. Yeah, yeah. And if I were to add, I mean, he uh, when I was going into the the arena one night, he held the door open for me. So there's a mark for the character <laughs> he's, of the he, kid. He's, he's, he, wow. <laughs> yeah, he did. No, he's 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 a nice kid. And I'll tell you what, it's like when they play the game and they it, it, it's an emotional game. It's a physical game, and, oh, yeah. and kids can be hotheads out there. And they do and, and makes you no different. They're all that way. But um, he, he's he's a sweetheart. He's he's a nice young man, and uh, and that's the other thing I'm really excited about with this team. I just like um, they're just they're very they're very likable, and they're pretty, they're pretty good people. So mm-hmm. that's that's gonna be fun to be around, regardless of how it turns out. Good. Ken, you mentioned uh, the goaltending coming back, and mm-hmm. it always lends me to this question. And I've always felt this with high school goalies. I've seen it uh, the script play out year after year after year. You come on, nobody really knows who you are. I mean, that your group does as your kids. I mm-hmm. get all that. But you maybe surpass expectations as a goaltender in year number one. And I think of all positions, that's one of the most difficult positions to replicate. And sometimes I think a goaltender can mentally skip the steps that they did to be as good as they were and maybe might get a little mentally lazy. I'm not saying that's the case with your goaltender. Uh, Is that something that you as a former goalie look for to make sure that these guys don't stagnate and maybe even tail off? Because we've seen that from time to time Mm -hmm. around the state. How do you keep these guys on an upper trajectory from a, a, a skill part of the position. If I knew exactly I'd do that, I'd write a book and I'll be talking to you right now. That's <laughs> for sure. But I but 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 I've seen and I've and I've had that where you basically have a, a sophomore stud goal and then it just doesn't but that's not just gold but but you you're talking about goaltending. So I, I think uh, I, I don't believe it's gonna be if if we had achieved what we wanted to achieve last year, just even getting the show or whatever, I think that's more of a concern. When you when you basically have left meat on the bone, when there's things that are left undone, um, and and at that position, you know, and, and we're talking about Mason McElroy, who's one of the best goalies in his age group mm-hmm. um, in no the question. state, if not the no country, doubt. No in, doubt. in the country. And I know he just had a terrific night the other night against uh, um, uh, in, in the in the elite league. So I think the fact that he feels like he believes there's still things to do. 
Good. I think it's more of a challenge ways we're talking about when they win a championship or they go to the state tournament. They've checked off all those boxes, yeah. and now and now they're all that. Mm-hmm. And that's again the, the, the basically the natural ego stuff that you run into um, with, with 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 high school high school athletes. Just that's the age group, and that's the challenge. That was the bigger part of the question. Yeah. Is yeah. To me, it's the fascinating thing because you can be the greatest uh, orator, delivery, uh, deliverer of message, whatever it may be. If they're not willing to listen past what you're saying and can't see past their wide eyes of what's just occurred, they're only going to be as good as they'll allow them to be. And in your position, you don't have a youth program that you have to reach back to and say, I got about 10,000 guys I can just grab here. You pretty much have what you have. Yeah, and they have to come together, you know, they have to come together as a team, which is, that. listen, there's advantages at private school. Who's, who's going to say there isn't? Of course there is. But there's disadvantages, too. Mm-hmm. And one of the disadvantages is they don't know each other, and they have to learn to trust each other. Yeah. And you do have the danger of the independent contractor, you know, basically. Yeah, I see. Yeah, and, and now with the multiple voices that have only increased in these kids' head, we're basically, you know, everyone in their, you know, everyone in their brother's an advisor now. Um, and so it's like... You Are they getting paid? I don't know. I mean, that... They, they, uh, that that, that they was the question. Which, <laughs> no. That was the best answer I, listen, I could have I, ever heard it, right listen, there. Listen, I don't... Listen, at the end of the day, it's like, and I, I have very good friends who, who who do that, who do that business, but the, the fact is, is that uh, that's one thing in 30 years of doing this. My God, 30 years. But 30 years <laughs> of doing this is that there's always been voices that you've had to compete with. Okay, moms yeah. and dads have always been there, and and, that, and they should talk to their mom and dad. My God, kids, Absolutely. you know, basically, kids belong to parents; they don't belong to coaches or schools. But those are still competing voices. They've always had competing voices, and those voices have only been amplified with social media and mm-hmm. the, the whole advisor stuff. And it's not just hockey. Believe me, volleyball. We have one of the best basketball players of uh, um, you know, women's basketball players at the school, and the Olsen kid who just committed mm-hmm. to Michigan. Believe me, as soon as that Star Tribune article came up, it was like locusts. They just bump, and I know her mom very well. She works at the school. They just bombarded her. It's like, hey, we want to, we want to represent her. And so again, but once the kids on the team, how do you keep a kid? focused on basically getting to St. Paul and to winning and to being the best teammate they can be and all the other stuff when, oh, by the way, we're going to have a meeting in December with a family advisor talking about how we're going to get you this and get you that. So so now he's basically, and we know, right, it's like that's a, that's always been a challenge. It's always been yeah. a challenge, but I think it's even in greater. And so you talk about like, you know, and and, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're Ken Pauley or Mark Manny or Patrick Andrews. Okay, or Matt Funk, if you have, a, and again, people say, cry me a river, you got all that talent. That's true, but there's problems that come with that too. Mm. And that, and you do, you do need, you do need to manage that stuff and keeping, and, and that's one thing I think we, uh, we got focused on some individual stuff, um, like in the last month of our season, and we, I think we lost our focus. Well, I'll ask Falveen about uh, blending talent, and that's uh, going to say enough right there. That'll be in our closing segment, but that's a whole different topic. So, oh wow, uh, Ken, this has been really far-reaching discussion. It's been awesome. Yeah, have it, you enjoyed it? I've always—I'd be like, this is like a studio. I'm not sitting here with my phone recording. No, Wags. You know what? It basically, you and I are pushing sixty. It's about time we have some ounce of professionalism around here, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, Ooh, that, that sums funny. it up pretty good, right there, huh? Good stuff. That's the first time I've ever been claimed to be pushing sixty. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Not good. Yeah, Next I'm month still you got away the same closer. age. Well I, well, I got a true story for you. This is great. <laughs> 
I'm uh, oh, uh, I work out over by Minnetonka. Actually, the exercise this coach. stuff doesn't happen by accident. Okay, so look at the pipes. I just threw the gun out there. <laughs> Hogan, eat your heart out. Okay, anyway, so I'm going into Ridgedale and I see this like super super cool uh, apartment condo building right on the edge of, of the complex there I'm like oh i wouldn't mind living there that place looks awesome it was brand new i spin around i turn left and i see this long stretched out sign it says 55 plus active living lifestyle and the first thing that strikes me is oh that's a bummer i couldn't live there oh, and, then, and, and then as they keep driving <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh shit! I could. And that was that. That was. I don't know if that was. I, and then, I, then I looked at it from being like a cool place to being a place you go to die. You yeah. know, I'm like, I, I, what? Yeah. Just yesterday, he and I were you guys, yeah. weren't we? That's right. But and I never had. I, ne I never had their waistline. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been chubby. You know, and I love it. But yeah, when you see the 55 plus thing at Mystic Casino, it's like, ooh. I know. Ooh. And then, but, but you don't believe it, and then you're like, well, maybe I could take advantage of that. And then I look at the 55 plus menu at Perkins, and I'm like, there's no food on there. Get when, it out of here. When you get you over need a big plate, so I don't Perkins. want one egg. Yeah. When you get over 50, you double the number and you get your ass to church. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, you do. Ken, thanks for joining us here today it was awesome all right it's fun talking to you take care man thank you when we Absolutely come back we're gonna stuff, have, yeah, thank you Ken. thank you when we come back we're gonna have, hear a little bit from dean evison he'll follow up on that wild loss and then we're gonna jump into some vikings talk we continue on the overtime podcast right after this what if there's a place where everything was hockey Finding the skate. Here comes Steve's and I go all alone. In Minnesota, there is. Scores! Not just diesel player, defensive game, period, right? Um, checking, uh, missing checks, uh, everything. Uh, our complete defensive game was awful. Our offensive game was real good. Their goalie was great early. Um, you know, could have been the difference, but. Um, we definitely have to do a better job uh, defending. Every opportunity that uh, that he had, even early, like he didn't have a lot of work early, but they were like grade A, A, A opportunities. So, um, no, we uh, he wasn't fighting it. Our entire team was fighting it. It's it's not a fix. It's a it's a it's it's a teaching. Not not even teaching. It's it's making aware of what we do normally do not do. Like, we normally do not do that. Um, so it's not like it's like, uh, you know, this is commonplace of how we play the game. We don't play the game like that. We, we are a structured, defensively sound group. And to a man, we weren't tonight. And it consequently ends up seven goals, obviously. Are you surprised with how kind of effective and clean the preseason was that this would be the outcome in game one? Oh, sure. I mean, are we surprised? Yeah, I guess. Um, you know, uh, again, we thought our start was great. We thought our uh, our energy was good. We thought our opportunities were great. Um, we thought our penalties were stupid. As, as well, hell. I mean, that sums it up. By the way, did he at times sound a little bit like Lou Nanny in there? He sounded, he was talking he, kind of slow, yes. very slurring. 
very deliberate. He sounded like he was out of it. I mean, just fatigued. Well, he, yeah, he had battled. the hell beat out of him. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think he summed it up really well, and I, I think he had every reason to feel that way. We're obviously talking about the Wild 7-3 beatdown at the hands of the New York Rangers. Granted, they were an Eastern Conference uh, finalist last year. Fell to the juggernaut of the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. Shesterkin was a Vezina Trophy winner, and you... You know, there's a lot to unpack there. There is. But let's just start here first. You know, I in the highlight package, I put the piece where they talked about 524 wins for Marc-Andre Fleury, which is absolutely insane. Third in NHL history and counting. He lost 23 hockey games last year. Now, keep in mind, many, uh, all but two, were with a really rough Chicago Blackhawk team. But that's still 20, 21 games mm-hmm. that were lost on the ledger. Um, you looked at Shesterkin, and you looked at him, and it's a stylistic thing. But but let me just, as a goaltender coach, throw this at you. When you look at uh, Igor play, there's little movement I mean, he he never his body was completely still and sound, posted up. There were never any holes. If if he had to go from left to right, if he ever used his feet or his pads, he never overplayed. He wasn't scrambling like a fish out of water, and the rebounds went right where he needed them to, which was nowhere or to him. When it went to Flurry's end of it, if he'd make a save, it would fly off his pad. He'd fall down, and he'd have to do some sort of barrel roll. I mean, it, it stylistically, I I struggle with it because that's not how I played or coach it. Mm-hmm. Keeping that in mind, that it's worked for him, and you just have to get used to it. A lot of the goals, though, that were allowed, I mean, it was just tic-tac-toe. What's he supposed to do? And there wasn't really a lot to do. Uh, that So I, I, I can't really pin it on Marc-Andre Fleury. Although they did need some saves in there when they didn't get them, and then it became larger deficits. So the goaltending thing, he said it best. I thought the Wild had the puck the whole first period, except for when they were shorthanded, and the and the shots on goal would re- reflect that. But Shesterkin was just the better player at that moment, and the Wild were down three nothing after one. Yeah, and and I think you touched on a few good things, and I think it's just a continuation of what we saw in the playoffs, right? The Wild, again, not good in their own end, but when they needed the big save, it just hasn't been there. The rebound control hasn't been there. And this team, to capitalize on what Marc-Andre Fleury does well at this point in his career, needs to be flawless, or not flawless, but closer to flawless in their own end. They haven't been. How about a lot tighter? Well, tighter, absolutely. And that athletic style of goaltending is... And now almost 38-year-old, you know, it isn't going to last forever as much as I've admired Flurry throughout his entire career. And I actually, you know, sent this to a friend. We were kind of discussing back and forth. And, you know, it's really Flurry, as you said, he hasn't been bad because these goals have been so hard to stop. He's just been a passenger. He hasn't elevated his play with the team. And that's going to be an issue if the Wild can't clean things up in their own zone. Well, and you think about that turnover that Jonas Brodeen had at the end of the first period. Very unbrodeen like Now, you can say, was that because he just sort of dialed it back? Or was that because uh, it was a great play by the New York Rangers? Maybe a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. But in the end, after that turnover, you got to have that save. So it's still 2 nothing. No, it's 3 nothing with 11 seconds left in the period. That's brutal. But look at the numbers. Minus 4 for Zucker. Zuccarello, minus four for Kaprizov, 
and minus three for Hartman, who had two penalties. I think they scored on both of his power plays, which were maybe not the smartest of penalties. And the minus three, uh, you know, you look at the center iceman down low. When you look at a guy, when you see the head going up to the heavens, kind of snapping back after the team scores when they do their little uh, turn off to the side, and you see it's the same guy every time, it's like, where was your stick? Where was your shoulder? Where was your bo- Where were you? You know, th- there were just far too many players open in the defensive zone. But I think one of the things that uh, Dean Evison was saying in the in the post game was, it wasn't just D zone coverage; it was coverage in the neutral zone and then off of possession for them in the offensive zone. So all three zones defensively, the team was atrocious. And if I were looking at that first line the way they got absolutely maimed, I would have been like, "You guys can just sit down now. Let's see what these three fourth liners can do." in uh, Rossi, Dewar, and Duhame. Why not? Who cares? Because it wasn't any better than what they would do. Yeah. You got good points, Pete. I mean, but again, we talked about, you know, you mentioned the Rangers and being an Eastern Conference finalist last year. I mean, they're a good team. Should they have allowed seven goals at home in their home opener? Absolutely not. And I'm 100% on board. There's a lot of things to fix. But then again... It felt like there could have been a dozen. Yes. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, Pete... You know how you are. I mean, you tend to what look at it, the, the glass half empty rather than half full. Do you think full. I'm negative? I do. I do. <laughs> but, hey, you know what? It was warranted for this performance. But I'm, as a fan, wow, I I'm myself not, as an eternal optimist. I, as, as a fan, I'm not looking at this as, like, you know, light everything on fire. Let's well, start. So what no, you're saying no. is I'm a reactionary. Yes. You so are maybe I'm a not a half bit. empty guy. I can be half You full, can be. But when I get pissed, you get very pissed. It's just like this is if I see BS, I call it. Yes. That's the difference. 100%. And we'll see just for fun, but I I guarantee you the two of you will be right here in 30 years. You you, you, you you put up with 30 years of this crap and you'll be doing the same thing. And if you're not, you're out of your mind. I would call you a wackadoo if that's what you did. <laughs> and and frankly, anything short of that's quite hokey. Well done. Well, and the thing is, too, Pete, what you've got to, well, what I've got to realize is you've seen this not just on the hockey side of things. You've seen it on the football side of things. You've seen it on the baseball, especially basketball. There's no, I mean, just, it's just beaten down in this market. But I, here, here's the thing that's what you kind of pointed out, Brandon, which to me stood out. The Rangers in, in in areas of their roster are pretty big, and I feel like our defensemen are a little bit undersized. Mm-hmm. And you saw guys like Kalen Addison, who looked really good floating around in the uh, preseason and real good on the power play. I'd rather have uh, Schuster at six eight out there. Uh, you, you know, you look at a guy like Keandre Miller. We mm-hmm. don't put Wagon. a body out there like that nope. that can move the puck. Ryan Lindgren, too, good size. He, wow, what, what, what a little jerk he is. Oh, my goodness. He nice was... stash. But, I mean, like, what is going on there? That guy plays with edge. Yeah. But Middleton's great that way. I really like his game. Uh, I love Galagoski's offensive flair. You you aren't a plus forty six or whatever he was last year by accident. I'm sorry. So I'm we'll, we'll hang on him. I think Brodine is absolutely terrific. I think Dumba and um, Spurgeon are both very talented offensively, good defensively, but they're a little bit undersized. But you got to have. I think that sixth defenseman needs to be a big body. 
I, th- I think you need a third big body because I put Brodeen in that big body sure. deal too. And, and you have John Merrill coming back. He'll be Which back from offseason surgery help. at some point. But, who's, but whose spot is he going to take? That's where you go. I wonder if someone's going to get hurt. Right. And inevitably, injuries do come. This is a very physical sport, long season. It does, especially the blue liners because they get pounded on. I don't know. It just felt like the wild below the dots were getting overpowered. It felt like up high there was a lot of, like, off of the rush. There were a lot of weak side guys. You know, there, there was a thing I was watching the MSG production and between periods had a really cool graphic where there's, I believe it's uh, 56% of the time you score if you, if you start on on, like, let's say west and you, you feed a puck e- east and back to the west so if it's a three pass east west angle like a z you score 56 percent of the time they had two goals like that within the first two periods and it was boom 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 like that what that told me was nobody is taking up passing lanes and their yep. commitment to covering those angles and players was not there and that's effort and that's recognition these guys are professionals and they know it they can sit here they'd never listen to this and i why would they but they can sit and say we know they know it's not that they don't know it's just that they have to Mm -hmm. and the coach knows and the reason he sounded beaten down was Holy smokes, this is not what I was expecting out of these guys. That was the worst game I've seen them play under the Dean Evison regime. It was brutal. That was a now with that said, they were really good though on the puck and offensively, the... right? Yeah. I mean to start the game, and you know, of course, the one thing I do like about this group, even down four in the third, they don't stop. Mm-hmm. And they kept pushing and they kept going. So I gotta give them credit for that. <laughs> but they got Colorado on Monday. Who do they have on Saturday? Kings. Kevin Fiala making a return. That's going to be a good one. There's a lot of Fiala lovers out there where they just like. I know. I just like. I don't think he's going to have the year there that he did here. Mm -mm. He careered, my opinion. But Hartman careered too. He did. Well, and and I wanted to get back to, you mentioned sort of the Wild getting owned below the dots and, you know, the Rangers being a heavier team. Certainly they are. This team's definitely missing that the grief line, right? With Joel or uh, Jordan Greenway, excuse me, out at the moment. You know, you still have Felino and Ecker together. You got, you know, now Tyson Jost on that open wing. He doesn't bring the same type of game that Greenway does. You're missing that shutdown line. There's a love affair with Josty. I, I, I know, I know. I'm not saying I'm with. I, He's a fourth liner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it was expendable from the Avs. Right. Uh, but you're right. And uh, then that top line, I mean, Zuccarello, Kaprizov, Hartman, they're just getting blown off the puck. They don't have the size. But they weren't even engaged. No. It was terrible. I mean, that was, they've got to be better. I'll be curious to see how they play against the Kings on Saturday. I expect a response. Do you? Do you expect I, a win? I don't know if I expect a win. I expect a response. I expect Gustafsson, a win. is he in goal, or do you go with uh, Fleury? I mean, I, see, that's the thing. Oh, my God. I think it's Gustafsson. When's Volstead going to be here? I'm is going, he, is he coming up this year? I'm going Gust, Gusty. I think they'll save Fleury for Monday. They're going to manage his workload, and he won't play three oh, in a row. That's a good point, so, actually. Gustafsson goes tomorrow. Okay. You, you heard it here, here first. On the overtime podcast. From the insider, <laughs> hey, Spratt. Glenn Gray is our uh, producer. Can you shoot us now? We're going to head into the Vikings as they take on the Miami Dolphins. They'll be traveling to the Sunshine State. Uh, coming up this Miami, weekend. Florida. Oh, that's concerning, too. It is. Uh, let's hear what, uh, take a listen to what KOC has to say about the Miami offense. 
Yeah, I, I, I think um, for me, looking at their offense and knowing you know who's calling plays for them, the type of offense that Mike can run, and, and the problems that it presents. Skill players are two great receivers. They've got good tight ends. They've got a, a running back who I've always had a lot of respect for, dating back to our time together in the NFC West and Mostert. And then they've got you know dynamic backs that can affect the pass game as well. Uh, I just look at this team as you know, regardless of who play, who's playing quarterback, you got to play uh, with a great plan to to try to limit the explosive plays while also being great against the run because they're going to have a great scheme to be able to take advantage of your alignments and, and we got to fly around we got to play good assignment football uh, guys really working together in both the run and pass game um, no matter who's playing quarterback I think we got to have a great week of prep because it's going to be a real challenge for our defense right on you know I think uh, by the way I dropped one of their tight ends in fantasy which one Kasiki yeah yeah just hasn't been doing it just sucked i I know so yeah (laughs) we said good tight ends i'm like what are you talking about i'm sure no but they're probably really good all around tight ends yeah i i I like what he says it doesn't matter who's calling the signals um they're going to be positioned uh, to be successful they do have a good run game what's really been nice is for the first time in a long time we're actually talking about the fish being actually a formidable foe mm-hmm. for anybody and in the mix. Yeah. And, you know, touching on the, the element that we kind of talked about with the weather, I think conditioning is always going to be a factor when a team heads down to Miami, especially a team based out of the Midwest here. And, you know, the, I, I hadn't thought about it, but the KOC McDaniel, uh, angle is kind of interesting those two know each other really well from those niners rams games out in the nfc west those were battles and you know the niners got the bet have had the rams number in the regular season for a very long time i expect the dolphins to come out swinging and the rams look like they're in trouble that's a whole different they're topic scary, in a moment. Yeah. here's a statistic for you guys super bowl hangover <laughs> yes uh here's a statistic of course you got skylar thompson the rookie third string qb who's starting from miami first career start did you know that the Vikings are mind eight, you, mind you? Uh, did you know that the Vikings are eight, eight and two all time against uh, QBs making their first career start? Oh, that's that fascinating. Not the mo- is are they that about not- to drop under five hundred? Is that not the most mediocre number ever? Are you surprised in the slightest about hearing this? <laughs> I mean, would you would you count Taysom Hill as one? I mean. I, I, that's, I'm being funny, but yeah. like, because is he even a quarterback? No. Um, but I am surprised by that. But you know, so you got to start somewhere as a quarterback, and I think it goes to prove uh, Kevin O'Connell's point that it doesn't really matter who's under center. Uh, quarterbacks, I think quarterbacks get far, far too much credit for wins, mm. and uh, far, far too much credit for losses. I I think they matter, but I think at the end game, if you can't stop anybody defensively, they don't play defense. If you don't block up front, the quarterback doesn't block unless it's a, a toss sweep where they're leading the play, which and they do that little shoulder burrow thing. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't I think they get far too much credit for what they do. And I think you know when you're bringing in a new guy, what do you do? The first thing you do is you simplify, mm-hmm. and maybe things become a little less. Uh, you know, they're, they're more to the basics. They're probably ground and pound games where they maintain uh, clock possession and the the football. And I don't know. I just think. Um, this game does concern me. You did bring up the sultry Miami heat because I don't care what anybody it's says. A it does. When you get into the third and fourth quarters, you're dying. And uh, those guys are used to it. They're practicing in it. 100%. Um, you can be from a, uh, a warm weather climate. If you're up here and it's snowing like it was last night and it's 35 today, I'm sorry, that's a far cry from 94 and humid. 
Yeah, and by the way, uh, just on that, weather forecast for Miami Sunday, it's going to be 85, very humid. So ex- expect that conditions will definitely be a factor. Watch for the Vikings to wilt in the <laughs> mid-stages to late stages of that football game. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, it's a, it's a thing. I it's mean, reality. It's, very, it's, it's very possible. It's reality. Uh, are you guys buying in on the uh, hype on the big fella that kicks the football? Right, right, Ryan. Right. Yeah. Um, Are you buying it? Well, I that can shank. tell you're not. Well, why? Uh, you've been very. <laughs> Is it my body position in studio? <laughs> Hands on hips, no. defiance. Yeah. Well, first off, yeah, that. He <laughs> you had think your mother of... saw that a few times? Yeah. Right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I don't no, know. No, but that shank just absolutely. Yeah, Here's bad. the thing. Okay. A guy struck a couple of balls really well in preseason. Okay. Good for you. Awesome. You, you were at Tulane. You weren't at Bama. Or, I mean, not saying that's, you know. Okay. Okay. You get rid of this guy, this uh, guy from down under that was actually, I thought, there's nothing wrong with him, in my opinion. And then he throws this wobbly floating pass on a fake punt in London, which was, I mean, could you cover it anymore? Like, oh, did you expect to throw the ball? <laughs> you know, the questions? Oh, my God. Just whatever, right? The guy the guy flipped one out there, and it wobbled his way in. They made a nice catch and got the first down. Dropped the shoulder down and rolled over. Okay, fine. I watched Daniel Carlson kick the other night mm. against Casey. This is a tough one for and me. I'm not a big fan of one because, let's be honest, it's uh, this whole that. I went on a tirade like I did with you with a buddy with the with the texts on Carlson. And here's what it is. Fine, he was bad in Green Bay. He won the job and you drafted him for a reason. But you were that defiant to your boss at the time, right? That you say, you know what, you're out of here. Mm-hmm. And then you have been scrambling ever since. Meanwhile, that guy has ripped, what, 39 straight, soon to be an NFL record. He hasn't missed anywhere. Yes, that's our kicker. It, it, no, and I, and here's the thing, and and, and this you was, win with kicking. This was before. It's called football. Yeah, this was obviously oh before, before, even before I, I knew either of you at the time. But honestly, I will tell you, when we cut Daniel Carlson, that was the moment I turned against Mike Zimmer as the as the head ball coach. I it was I, I just well I get it. It's a kicker. It's a rookie, but that was way too way too quick to pull the trigger, and we're still reaping the consequences to this day. As you rightly said, the kid is just talented, and I get it. He's just a kicker, but that that soured me on on the you, Zimmer. Spielman. You take one game mm-hmm. where yeah, I think he hit a a, a post. Mm-hmm. I think he missed one badly, and they're bombs. They're like fifty yarders, right? Uh, probably as nervous as hell. And you create this culture where if you make a mistake, you're screwed. Yep. And that's basically what happens. So if you really want to know what that whole era felt like from the outside looking Perfect. in, look no further than the Daniel Carlson debacle, where he's the best kicker in the National Football League. Hundred percent. Oh my God! You have automatic points that we've just hung up on the board. So every time one goes out there, I'm doing the sign of the cross. Uh, and, and then I'm doing a, a, a prayer of thanksgiving that he actually got it there. Holy smokers. Oh. I mean, I, it's, it's ridiculous. I, I agree. I just want to say, okay. by the way, the only football podcast where they should be talking this much about the punters and Iowa Hawkeyes podcast. Why? Because they're punters. They're star player. 
Oh, because he kicks all the time. But it won't be against the workout. Why do I feel like Kirk Ferentz is bringing the A game against the uh, Golden Gophers? I'm sure he will. He 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 has it out for PJ, so he's going to get him properly motivated. Who doesn't in the Big Ten? (laughs) Well, that's fine. I don't care. (laughs) Everybody brings. That's going to be part of our next topic. That's fine. I keep moving because I know you got to get to the airport. I hope they do, and I hope. I I mean, I know that game's a few weeks away. It's not until the second to last week of the season. But so let's 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 go there for a second. First of all, before we do. The uh, Vikings, Miami, give me your score. Vikings, 23-17. How about you? Wow. Yeah, I got to say this is going to – it's definitely a one-possession game, right? Like it it, it has to be. Yeah, what is it at this point? I'm going to go Vikings, 27, Dolphins. Oh, you think we can put that many? Dolphins, 24. I'll go 17-13. Okay. So we are, we are we're all in agreement that the Vikings are gonna come back to mini begrudgingly, begrudgingly begrudgingly at five and one. I'm begrudging at five and one. Guess what's my class? Half empty. It's a losable game. You are wearing it definitely. You are wearing game. Dolphins colors. Today, I am, by I am way. going the fish. Yeah, three am open. It is a losable game, and it's concerning because they all. And are. then he brought up that brutal stat of eight eight and two. <laughs> oh, I know. That's just like I would have been well, like, hey, all in you on know, that, but for, now I'm not. For symmetry's sake, is it eight eight and three after Sunday? No, 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 they're not okay. going to tie. No ties. No, well, if they do, it's because of another missed field goal or extra point. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be fitting um, after we talk Carlson? <laughs> okay. So now let's we'll go to on. the Golden Gophers and a very losable game in Illinois. I'm very you have Illinois colors that. as well. It's not uh, quite the right shade yeah, of blue. But no, it isn't, but I got the orange. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, 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 another coach who can't stand PJ Fleck or Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I think Brett Bielema hates Minnesota more than any other team in the Big Ten, from what my gathering is. Mm-hmm. His teams always seem to play. They always seem to bring their A games. The problem is is that uh, Fleck brings this on all himself. And so instead of flying under the radar, he becomes irrelevantly relevant because the guys just don't like him, whether his teams are good or not. Now, with the week off, fine. he is who he is. Where is Mo at uh, out of the backfield? Sounds like he's good. Okay, well, now they have a chance. Because they need to just run it, run it, run it, run it. I will also add Illinois' quarterback left last week against yep, Iowa. Early first half. Doesn't looks, matter. Looks like a high ankle sprain. It they're going to hand it off. Uh, it I will, does, no, it matters because their backup is trash. Yes. In fact, I've heard from our very own Joey Wright that if the backup starts, you can pretty much I chalk watched, in a W. I watched that. You said I, if. Okay, if. I watched He'll miraculously that. No, 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 be healthy. No, I watched the Iowa Illinois game last week. Everyone wants to crap on the Amazon 12-9 game. That was 9-6. to six. No no touchdowns in that game with they, their backup quarterback. They need DeVito to play. They need they DeVito to, to play. And last year, Brandon Peters, <laughs> unfortunately, I, will, I know this because I was at the Gophers-Illinois game last year mm-hmm. at the bank. Unfortunately, I know this, but they like their bootlegs, and if DeVito's ankle isn't right, you know, our D-line's going to get after him. I like the Gophers in this one. And one They're thing, physical. One thing I should add is the Gophers are still six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road That's against too a high, team. But I'm not a betting man, so. After losing to Purdue. After losing to Purdue. Purdue might be good, though. I'm not saying they're Vegas not. Vegas always wins. I'm not saying they're not. If you, if you want to be relevant and if you want to win and you want to play in the Indianapolis, you've 100%. got to win this is, games th- like that this at is home m- against Purdue. Even though they're good and they're going to be a definite bowl team from at least the way they look right now, you have got to win those games. Now, you're going to lose some. I'm going to get it. And I think you know not everybody is going to be Alabama where they're just going to run. By the way, do you want to know where they're just melting down right now? LSU. 
Oh, oh the Kelly is absolutely. Couldn't happen to a better, te- better Ke- coach. I, I, think they, I, I think they think Kelly is, is sabotaging the, the program. He's not. I know, but I mean, it's just, you go on the message boards, you, you it's wanna, You want to talk about reactionary. That's college football. And we touched on this with the Paul Chris news well, this, as well a few weeks ago, but it's 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 crazy. But this does come back to our discussion with Ken Pauley a little bit earlier. The reason why it's so reactionary in college football is because every game matters. Yeah, you don't have a lot of room for error. Right, and if you drop one or two, oh my god! I mean, so if the you're consi- falling, right, and it is because if you're consi- you, you have to be near perfect to be in the discussion. Yes, I know. And, and that's and that's, that's the tough part. And that's why I really, you know, that's why I really say, and I know I kind of finished on this last week with the mic drop of I hope, you know, the arrogant Wisconsin fans get a little bit of their own medicine, if you remember wow. that. But that's why I say that, because they decided now all of a sudden that eight and four isn't isn't good enough, that they that they should be competing for championships. Oh, really? University of Wisconsin. Well, they've been pretty good since uh, Barry took over uh, they, the helm. They have, so. but all of a sudden, eight and four is a ceiling is a is a floor isn't good enough. There's a lot of teams that would be glad to take that, it, and I'm I'm one of them as a lifelong Gopher fan. So that's where my biggest concern is. What's that? Whenever they do jump around, oh, that stadium. Ooh, uh, how do I know that thing's not going to fall down? You don't. It will one day. You no, don't. I, I, it's I'm bound to. So I'm not like trying to be like freaky. I but don't like, know. That doesn't look smart to me. Administration, you know, I'm sure you know the story. So you guys have thought the same thing. It, well, you know the story, right? The administration no. wanted to not do it because the engineers told them it's not safe. They did. Yeah, this was in the 90s, but they said we're doing it anyway. Oh, no. It's bad. Okay, so I'm not just... No. <laughs> I mean, when you look at this it... Is le- this is legit. I bet you it shakes. It does. I've been there. Oh, my God. Yeah. The announcers in the press box say it always sways when they do it. I wouldn't want anything to do that. Yeah. I wouldn't do a game there. That's why I like doing high school hockey. <laughs> and with our new autocast anywhere, we can do it from That's home. That's right. So now we don't have to worry about it. Okay, so go for football. Give me a final. I'm going to go the low score, lower scoring for this. I will go Minnesota 17, mm. Illini. Uh, 12. I'm gonna go go for thirty Illini seventeen. Oh, I'm I'll take th- control. I'm going thirty-one fourteen. Who? I have no doubt they'll, they'll win this. I game. think they're gonna win this one. Okay, so um, I'm all blustered. You know that. Uh, so let's talk Major League Baseball real quick. Playoffs. Okay. Sure. There's been something that's been really intriguing to me, and I realized this that made me more enraged about Twins baseball than ever before. Mm. First of all, mm, how awesome is that? Fire your head athletic trader. Just make him the fall guy. And when you're firing him, why don't you do this? Say, well, it's not all on him, you know. There's a... Then why are you firing him? Right? It's bad. Okay, then why are you firing him? Yeah. So you're saying it is all him. But there's more to it than that, in my opinion. But yeah. with that said, I'm watching these games. And you got a guy like you, Darvish, who's coming in on pitch number 85. Like it's sixth inning. And, and you say, oh, he's going to be done here soon because you're so conditioned to how yeah. the Twins do things. And it's like, oh, wait, he's not. He's going into the ninth. He's on pitch 115. Every team has been doing that. Mm-hmm. So did the Twins think if they were going to make the playoffs that suddenly these pitchers were going to be extended? There's zero chance they were going to do that. So what in God's green earth are they trying to accomplish down uh, at Target Field? What are they trying to do? So here's here's the little the, league. I don't understand. No, and I, I I hear what you're saying. I think the 
the issue, and this has been the issue with Twins baseball for about as long as, as I've been a fan since Johan Santana and Francisco Liriano, we don't have that guy. You know, we don't have the guy that you're maybe comfortable pushing 115 pitches in the playoffs. But they're doing it with their whole staff. No, but I get that. But think, but think to, you know, okay, let's look back to 2019. The Twins win 100-plus games. You know, Jose Barrios, bad first playoff start. We throw Randy Dobnik in game two. <laughs> yeah. And Jake Odorizzi, despite a great season, he's nibbling on the corners. That stuff doesn't play in the playoffs. He went straight disappearing work. act. So uh, that's that's the issue for me. It's the quality of the, of the pitchers. I don't disagree with that. But, I mean, when you look at a guy like Kent Tomeda, and then you have, um, I, I think, um, um, what's his name? Sonny, uh, Gray. Sonny Gray. He's good. I think Sonny Gray is rock solid. He's solid. Chris Paddock will never pitch another pitch here in Minnesota. <laughs> so just forget about that one. Um, you know, they're going to move on from Bundy, which I think is, I mean, I thought he, he was probably their most consistent and starter deepest into the games they had, even though he was like nine you, and eight or eight. Do you nine. like? Yeah, but is consistency worth it at a five ERA? Well, I mean, <laughs> not in the I playoffs. Mean, okay, but but <laughs> I'm just saying that's yeah. all they've got. I know. Um, but they they do have some some proven pitchers who are perpetually hurt. It all comes back to my always original comments of why does it seem. And it's not just because we're paying attention to the Twins. Why does it seem as though our pitchers are hurt more and longer than everybody else? Why does it seem that there's perpetual shoulder strains and elbows, but you don't see that on the Los Angeles Dodgers? You don't see that on the New York mm-hmm. Yankees? You don't see that in Toronto? Why is that here? Well, and and I'll... I don't we know. can't answer it. Yeah, I'm just saying. Can't. No. Well, but I, there's... there. I, I go to the front office in coaching. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm saying. True. And they're not bringing in a new pitching coach. They're good with this guy. <laughs> yeah, that's an, okay. Awesome. Um, I, I think if you go, you know, Matt, I know you have the athletic. There was a great uh, piece from Aaron Gleeman right around the end of the twin season about how the twins had all these injuries and no Brennan. one returned. Yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. No one returned when it was initially said. That, that was that's, awesome. It was, it was a fantastic reporting and spot on summed up the whole season. But, you know, I've, Despite the mediocrity of the Twins right now, I am enjoying watching playoffs. It's been terrific. Unbelievable. The quality of play right now is awesome. The defense, I I don't know if anyone was watching, um, was it the, the Braves the other night? They had some fantastic catches from the left side of their infield. It, it, Jose Altuve, the, future the Hall of Famer, made a great play. The yesterday. commitment defensively and the effort has been absolutely stunningly awesome. Mm-hmm. And it takes sometimes the mundane, everyday, regular season yes. stuff where you see good stuff to make it stand out. But every pitch, everything matters. And watching these guys do it has been really good. Then it makes you think, you know, there's. Two guys maybe on the Twins that can make the play, and I'm thinking about uh, Gio Urshela and Correa. Yep. Like, those are the guys you can and see. Buxton and Buxton well, when he's healthy. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's it. Yeah. And Kepler, so, too. He's, he's good in the Very field. rock solid. I think he's gone, by the way. I know. I do, too. Should be. Yeah. I think Buxton should be gone, too. That's that not happening. ain't happening. Sorry. Just sign the extension. <laughs> can you just release him? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Why we would don't you even say too that? much money? I, mean, I just said it. Goodness gracious! Why would you ask me why I would say that? I, release him. Ninety-two out of your at Eighty-four million bucks on the, uh, what is it? Twenty? How many million per year? Twenty-five? No, no, not it's quite. not what even. Is it? What is it's it? Not even. It's like 20, 20, it's less no. than twenty. Yeah. How many years do we have to sit through this? I believe six more is on the contract. He will never play more than ninety-two games. That's the most he'll play on this contract. 
You might not be so wrong. That, so you're basically saying he's a $40 million a year man if he plays every game and he never will. He is a $40 million man. But he doesn't he, play when every he plays. Game, But he won't. And that's part of your value. Your value is if you're a photocopier and, you, and you're in my office and you don't work <laughs> and, I, and I have to have, I have to have service have to to come Kinko's. in and fix it. Yes. You have zero value to me. If you are not uh, spitting out copies for my staff, you're worthless. Uh, Showing up will get you a long way in the, uh, the work world. I mean, it might look really nice. The nice uh, Rico copier or whatever it is. It may be packaged perfectly, but if it can't spit out copies, what good is it worth? Huh. Interesting. That's, I, now, with that said, the guy is an amazing talent. Yeah. I mean, when he's on, oh, my God, it's just, like, unbelievable. Everything's leaving the park. Everything's scalded. Yeah, I know. Now, the one thing that's really good about next year, look at that. Matt's closed the computer. He's done. <laughs> <laughs> he's already punching out. He, he's, he's worked I overtime. Know, this is a it. long one today. And you got to go. It. But I'm going to say here. this. You know what the beautiful part about next year is? What's that? Mm, it's awesome. The Twins will not be able to shift themselves out of uh, wins in division titles. Uh, that is exciting. Now uh, we're going to have to watch a game where you got to actually play defense and make plays and make reads. You know, part of the beauty of being a good shortstop is knowing the situation, knowing the pitch, knowing the count, knowing the hitter, yep. and knowing if he does tend to go up the middle. You know, guys like Cal Ripken would cheat and take a yep. half step on the pitch, knowing, and sometimes they get caught and they go through the hole. But generally, that is what made a good player. Yeah. You have to become smarter. You're not going to go to your card and be looking at it every two seconds, sticking it in your pocket. Not as manufactured. Not as manufactured yeah. and robotronic. Okay. It's going to be a lot more athletic. Can I finish with one thought? You can finish with two. Uh, poll ads, please write the check. We need C4. Really? Mm -hmm. I agree. You got to do it. Write the check. Show us you're committed. Do you, think, do you think they will? No. No, I don't. Why? Because that's how they've always been. I think they will. You've, I think they've committed to it. You I think, think they'll they, write the, the well, three hundred million dollar. I don't. Check. Yeah, I okay. think. I think what they did is okay. First of all, I think they did it because they had. To, they wanted to get him in. Yeah. Okay. And they did. And then they said, okay, we also know that you've got a new agent, mm -hmm. uh, and he's not going to get any commission. He's going to want to get commission. We will commit to you. Who do they have at shortstop? And don't say Royce Lewis because he's got a second. They don't second have anybody. Re Correct. So you got to put him there. I, I think Royce Lewis should play first base. Oh, and about, I've been saying that all along. Uh, Louis? Yeah. Um, you've got an issue between, in my opinion, he and Polanco. He and Polanco, I, I feel like Polanco, I love him, but I think he's fallen off. See him. I think you move on from him. Well, he is a free agent, I believe, after next season. So eventually, seasons. you'll move him. And then, I, you, you see, put Louis at second. Louis needs and to then, be in second. He can't play anywhere I else. I know there's options on Geo, and they've got to bring him they back. They need to bring him back. He was their best player both sides of the ball. And you said period. it, his value goes up without shifts because he's good defensively. He is so good defensively, and his yes. first step instinct and his ability to get there, his range is precious. And he's got a great arm, but the dude loves the game and he oozes the game, and he is a good He has hitter. a great walk up song. He's a, <laughs> what is it? What is it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's Christian, Christian Worship song. Really? It is. Oh, people, yeah. The, people the, like to mock I love him even more. Game. No, yeah. I love him even more. I know. The, the clap along. Yeah. You know, this, I don't I know the words I'll, to it. We'll, but, uh, we'll play it sometime. He's such a great situational hitter. And he hits to the, he's a gap hitter with power as well. Look at his numbers. They're better than Donaldson's. I know. And you got him for a fraction of Terrific. the cost. Speaking of Donaldson, you see what he did? Uh -oh. oh, he, uh, he bat flipped a, a ball in the park and got thrown out trying to go to second. Terrific. Oh, he thought it was out. Yeah, in the playoffs. 
God. See, we did so well. Good riddance. Gary Sanchez, see you as well, mate. Oh, really? Yeah. He's not gone. He's a free agent. No, he's not. He is. I thought he was under team control. I don't think so. Uh, how sure of that are you? All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll look it up. Uh, I don't see Sanchez going anywhere. I like him. I thought he had a nice year here. Wow. Do you? Oh, wow. You don't like him? No. Mm. He's a free agent. Matt, you're awfully quiet over there. You want to go? It's been a long podcast. We've run. We're we've, hungry. We've run the game. If you're still hey, listening, you deserve. You didn't bring Jack Links for us. How how much did I bury the Jack Links? Oh, I forgot to do that. Hold on. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Give us a Jack Links plug. This episode of the Overtime Podcast is presented by Jack Links Steak Strip. So tender, they deserve their own slow jam. Also presented by Sniper's Edge Hockey, synthetic ice and skills tools for you to train anywhere. You can improve your game and be sure to shop online at snipersedgehockey.com. We are, of course, coming to you live from the Metasports League studios. And don't forget about our producers, Todd Geisler and Glenn Gray. We are appreciative of you guys. You kill it. Metabutes is a hockey-themed NFT project from the Metabutes Sports League. Check them out at metabutes.io. The Prospect Exchange, that's known as TPE, Evaluate, Share, and Advance. And, of course, my favorite breakfast, lunch, and dinner, St. Louis Park Nutrition. That's at SLP underscore nutrition on Facebook. Uh, I'm sorry, on Instagram. And then on Facebook, it's SLP Nutrition. All right. Got to take care of the sponsors. Can't forget them. We totally blew them off. Obviously, we ran ads between periods or between periods. <laughs> You're already in hockey season. I'm on track, and it's so good. Glenn, I think that means we're done. You can go home hey. now. Love the show today. Ken was outstanding. Yeah, Looking gold. forward to chatting with him more. He's gold. He's I never want to. I, I try to like not use him too much, but he is uh, ratings gold. Oh my gosh, so good. There's never a lack of news making items on his interviews. So much life experience and perspective. Just, just so, so good. For Brandon Spratt, Matt Harrington, our producer Glenn Gray, and Pete Wagner. So, so long, long, everybody.